Sadly, Delene and I are unable to join you uh, today as we are in self-quarantine through April 22nd. As most of you know uh, by now, my grandmother passed away uh, last Thursday, and so we flew to Nashville, Tennessee uh, on Saturday for her graveside memorial. Uh, this past Sunday. And so uh, that's why I'm also preaching this morning uh, from my home office. Uh, okay, it's actually a guest bedroom, but while we're in self-quarantine for the next two weeks, it's a home office, and I have a hunch that several of you can relate. Uh, travel was just surreal. And we took a few pictures on our trip, and I just want to share a couple of those with you. I, I don't remember a time in my lifetime when airports look like this. And I took a little time to reflect on what this Easter means to me, and I had a few thoughts to share before we made our way back to Bryan College Station. So take a quick look at this video before we get into our text today. Well, hey church, I'm actually speaking to you from a cemetery, and you may be thinking, well, that's a kind of an odd place to be sharing a message. Well, this particular cemetery has very special meaning for me because three days ago, right here, uh, we shared a memorial service for my grandmother. And I want you to think about that three days ago. Can you imagine if when we came up here to film this video today, if on the way to the graveside, I actually bumped into my grandmother and she said to me, well, hey, Greg, I think I probably would have passed out uh, at a minimum, I would have been shocked, uh, experienced disbelief. And I, I can't help but think that when Mary and Mary got to the tomb, they actually did feel some of those emotions, um, as did all of the, the disciples when they encountered Jesus raised from the tomb. And, and I just want to say on this Easter Sunday that I believe with all of my heart that he did. I believe that Jesus overcame the grave. Uh, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And because of that, I, I know that I'm going to see my grandmother again. And not only her, but also my grandfather and other loved ones uh, and, and people who I've known throughout my lifetime who believe that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God and gave their lives to him. I know I'm gonna see them again. And you're gonna see your family members and your friends who name Jesus Christ as Lord, you're going to see them again. And that's the power of the empty tomb. Jesus Christ is risen, church. He is risen indeed. You know, as strange as it was to um, celebrate my grandmother's life, even as we practiced social distancing in the cemetery, it was so good to share stories about her, and a lot of those stories just made us laugh. My grandmother was one of the wittiest people that I have ever known, and I couldn't help think about her several times this past week when I saw a few uh, humorous church signs from all over the uh, United uh, States. Uh, this one said, six feet apart today is better than six feet under tomorrow. Uh, and of course, as churches all over the, the world are doing now, the church has left the building. Uh, join us on YouTube and Facebook. I particularly thought this one was very creative. Give us clean hands and give us Purell hearts. 
Uh, humorous memes are also making their way around the internet. I noticed this one on a friend's Facebook yesterday. When all of this is over, I'm really going to miss muting the preacher on Sundays. Uh, you know, come to think of it, that one's actually not very funny. Um, but I guess we do need to laugh a, a little bit. Um, but but even as we as we you know try to try to use a little humor to relieve some tension, there's this. There's this stark reality of this pandemic that is just taking its toll on millions and millions of people across the globe. We're inching closer uh, to, by the time this post, maybe already have surpassed 100,000 deaths worldwide. We have you know, some 400,000 confirmed cases in the United States alone. And so I want to make just a couple of observations before we get into today's text, which is Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. First, if you haven't been praying, please start. Don't worry about how your prayers sound. Don't even worry about what you say. Just cry out to God. Intercede for the nations. Second, if we ever needed a reminder of the powerful hope that is at the heart of the promise of Easter, it's now. And so let's enter the text today with anticipation of keeping our hearts and our minds aligned around that Easter promise. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, there's some very intriguing words and phrases in the opening verses of this section. The first phrase is, after the Sabbath. And this is not an accident. Sabbath was ordained by God as a day of rest, a holy day. It's a day that's tied directly to God's work as creator. Notice these words from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now at last... The heavens and earth were successfully completed with all that they contained. So on the seventh day, having finished his task, God ceased from this work he had been doing, and God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, because it was the day when he ceased this work of creation. It was after the very first Sabbath that all God's creation lived in perfect harmony. There was no pain, no disappointment, no heartache, no disease, no suffering. Helps us understand why it's called paradise, right? Well, that, that brings me to the second phrase of interest in this opening verse. At dawn, on the first day of the week. Let's go back to Genesis. To the eighth day. The first day when God's creation was complete and totally unspoiled. Can we even begin to imagine a day like that? But we know what happens next, right? The enemy of God, that old serpent from whom the power he had been given was not enough. He plotted and he schemed and he entered paradise and he promised something that was more perfect than perfect. It was a promise that was 
never really a promise at all. Rather, it was a promise that was just nothing more than a lie. But the text that we're in today, the text that begins with sunrise, the text that begins at a new beginning, a fresh light, a day that because of the risen Savior lets us walk once again freely with God, complete and unspoiled. A day when the ultimate lie is eclipsed by the ultimate truth as witnessed by an empty tomb. Mary and Mary are the first to arrive. And what happens next? Well, let's just see for ourselves. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. In Matthew's account, the actions of the angel of the Lord, these actions cause an earthquake, a stone that probably would have taken several men to move into place is effortlessly yet dramatically rolled away by this agent of God. We don't exactly know how much time passes, nor do we know about the exact chronology of these events, but that's not Matthew's aim. He wants us to see Jesus. And so he introduces additional details that ultimately lead up to an amazing encounter between Mary and Mary and Jesus himself. The text says, The angel's appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, isn't this interesting? Soldiers who are guarding a dead man become like dead men. Men who are trained to fight to the death literally faint. So, so Mary and Mary walk up. They surely see the soldiers. They see the angel. They see the tomb with the stone rolled away. And it makes perfect sense that the angel would say uh, what he says to them next, which is, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And now I want to ask you to pay very close attention to what the angel says next. Because everything that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ, hinges on these words. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. What he told you, what he told the other disciples, the angel is saying, what he said again and again and again, it's come true. His body was put into the grave. But his body is no longer in this grave. Not because it was taken, but because that body came back to life. You know, as I said, we don't have any idea how much time passes. We don't know how long they look around. We don't know how much exploring they do, how many questions they ask, how many tears they shed. All we know is that the angel wastes very little time. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. 
And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. You know, I love how the message translates this verse. The women, deep in wonder and full of joy, lost no time in leaving the tomb. I just want to pause here briefly and, and, and dwell in this verse for a few moments. I call what happens here the Easter effect. We see it play out in the emotions that they feel and also in the actions that they take. I want you to notice that they are first deep in wonder, deep in wonder. We have to go back several years earlier to see how all of this is, is set up prophetically. As Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 speaks these words of the Messiah who is to come. He writes, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, do you see the word wonder and the word wonderful? You know, it wasn't just the Old Testament prophets who, who spoke of this, this wonderful Messiah who is to come and the wonderful gift that he brings to humankind. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, we read of believers that you, you followers of Jesus, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his, do you see it again? Wonderful light. You know, COVID-19, it's taken a lot from us. But it's also given us a very precious gift. And that is time. Time to reflect. Time to pause. Time to ponder and wonder at the meaning of the empty tomb. Hi everybody, I hope you guys are all being safe and healthy during this pandemic. Um, I know I am, uh, I, moved, I went back to Huntsville with my family. I felt like um, that was something that needed to happen for me. During this time, during this pandemic, um, I've been, um, I started the routine of getting up every morning and doing my daily Bible study and was doing an exercise for 30 minutes a day and just being outside for 30 minutes and um, enjoying the weather that we have even while keeping my distance from others. And I've also been reading a ton of books lately and I cannot wait to see you guys soon. Bye! Right now for us, life is not hugely different than it was before in some ways and in other ways it is. So we um, are do, have lived the life of COVID with a daughter with cystic fibrosis. Um, so we, um, we have been doing cleaning protocols and treatments and social distancing during certain times of the year ever since our daughter was born. So a lot of this is unknown to us. It's not a new normal. The new normal is that everybody's joining in with us versus us being the only ones doing it. Um, 
I've had a lot of people contact me in the middle of this and say, aren't you frightened? And I'm like, mm, this is my 24 seven. Um, so we've kind of already established our faith and trust in God's sovereignty in this situation for us. It just looks different because um, we've added my parents who are both in the vulnerable group as well. And so we're taking care of them as well. But our faith is the same, if not larger, um, just because we know that God is in control um, and we're still well provided for. We still have a roof over our head. We're still fed well. We're still clothed and we're around family. And so, uh, and we can, we, can, we can connect with our church family through this video conference <laughs> and through our Sunday morning interactions. So I am somebody who watches the news from other parts of the world because I'm always watching for things that are incoming before our local media provides it to us. So I was watching other regions of the world, in particular how this was going to affect us with Amelia and her cystic fibrosis. And so um, I was kind of aware that that was the direction that a lot of other countries were moving in. And then I saw two weeks ago, some groups in Seattle that had started sewing for the local hospitals because the mask shortage. And so I looked at Robert and said, I just put in a huge order at Joanne's and I'm going to start sewing masks because God said, this is what I need to be doing. And he went, all right, because he's kind of used to um, me laying those big things out in front of him and just saying, here's the direction God said to go. And he says, let's go. And so um, we just started sewing. Um, and over a weekend, this small group online that I was a part of uh, nationally went from like a couple people to thousands. And then I discovered that there's about 50 people that I knew that were sewing as well. And we all started sewing together, um, sharing materials, where we were getting them from. And then from there, I was reached out to by somebody who works in the medical field here, who said, I've got facilities that are looking for these masks. Are you guys willing to provide them? And the answer was, of course, we've already started stockpiling. And so we have provided four nursing homes right now with um, masks for their staff. And we currently have another four or five nursing homes on the list of going down that who we're supplying to hopefully by the end of this week. And um, we've also been reached out to by one of the hospice organizations, as well as some of the nurses at the local hospitals who are wanting them for teams within the hospital. So I get excited when I see God say, hey, I need you to do this. And then I see the answer weeks later and it's like, oh God, look what you did. And he gave the same nudge to so many other people who obeyed that nudge. And um, the lady who's delivering the mass for us said that nearly every director of a nursing home when she's handed the mask over is wept just with gratitude. Just they can't believe that there's people paying for supplies and donating these masks and not asking for anything and they're just they're just blown away by that and so it's just an opportunity to serve and love um and it's been fun to do together as a family i mean i can i can make a mask in 15 to 20 minutes but if we do it all together it becomes half that time not that i've lived through a lot of pandemic uh, experiences but you know I, I think when people go through crisis they have a tendency to want to isolate and protect themselves. And I, I think technology as the tool 
has allowed people to stay connected, um, which I know is a big church push is to plug in and stay connected. And um, the beauty of people not isolating and, and even asking for things that they need, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comfort when people are willing to continue to ask for what they need um, as opposed to trying to fix everything on their own. And so I think this is an awesome time for us to come together and to continue to ask one another what each one of us needs. Um, Cause right now we're living in a, we're living in a situation of need. Well, how wonderful it is to see familiar faces and hear familiar voices on this Easter Sunday. You know, this wonder is, it's evidenced in our community of faith because of a foundation that was laid 2,000 years ago. And it, it gives us the second characteristic of the Easter effect that we now experience and that Mary and Mary experienced then. And that is that they were filled with joy. I love what Michael Wilkins, a writer on this particular passage uh, in his commentary notes, when he says something deep within them is beginning to recognize that all they hoped for in Jesus is actually beginning to come true. Their future now includes the risen Jesus, the long anticipated and now fully realized Messiah of Israel and Savior of the world. The resurrection of Jesus fulfills the deepest hopes of humanity. I just want you to know that as wonderful as it will be to see those who have gone on before, as I noted in my video earlier, it's really nothing compared to what it will be like to see Jesus face to face, to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if that doesn't fill us with joy, what will? And the Easter effect doesn't stop here. The women also had a sense of urgency. Remember, Matthew reports that they lost no time in leaving the tomb. And why is that? Well, it's because they, just like we, now have an amazing story to tell. I love how this Easter effect impacts us, people who are deep, and wonder, people who are full of joy, people with a sense of urgency and a story to tell. And Matthew doesn't just stop there. He, he, he shows us a little bit more of this encounter that it seals the deal. It's the exclamation point on the end of the, the Easter message. The text says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and they clasped his feet, and worshiped him. The word that Matthew uses for greeting could also be translated rejoice, or more informally, hello. And I got to tell you, I just love that. No profound, uh, pious, uh, no, no chorus of angels uh, singing from the heavens in simplest of terms, Jesus sees Mary and Mary and he says, hi. He's among 
friends. And he invites us all to join him as friends. And I want you to see their response to the risen Lord. They literally fall at his feet and they just grab hold of him and they worship him. And, and they must be trembling. Otherwise, why would Jesus say to them what he says next? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he uh, commissions the very first Christian missionaries, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they're gonna see me there. And they did see him, as will all who believe in him and give their lives to him. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to experience the hope and the reality of the risen Lord, then please reach out to us via email at info at amchurch.net, or you can call our church office at 979-693-0400. I want to close today by um, an Easter blessing, and this was written many years ago uh, by St. Hippolytus, not too very long, actually, after Jesus had raised uh, from the dead and uh, ascended uh, to be with his father. St. Hippolytus writes, Christ is risen. The world below lies desolate. Christ is risen. The spirits of evil are fallen. Christ is risen. The angels of God are rejoicing. Christ is risen. The tombs of the dead are empty. Christ is risen indeed from the dead. The first of the sleepers Glory and power are his forever and ever. And church, we say to that, amen and amen.